Welcome to Writers Forum, a weekly presentation of WRBHFM. I'm Sherry Alexander, and this week we're talking to Kathy Finn, author of Tom Benson, A Billionaire's Journey. Welcome to Writers Forum, Kathy. Thanks so much, Sherry. I really appreciate you having me here. Now, I know you as a longtime business reporter. Mm-hmm. You were um, editor, executive editor, I guess, of City Business for quite a while. And um, But you're not originally from New Orleans. No, I'm from, from the Midwest. I'm an Iowan, actually, and I have lived here for about 35 years now. So I guess that's just about long enough to be called close to a native. Close to a native. <laughs> not quite, but close. But um, yes, I have a history in business reporting. I was uh, editor at City Business Newspaper in New Orleans. For about eight years, I worked for that company for about 14 years. So I did come to specialize in business journalism for sure. And you're still doing it. You're doing it for Reuters. You, uh, I know you work for Renaissance, the New Orleans magazine. Right. And do a lot of freelance. I see you on TV quite <laughs> right. often right. on uh, informed sources talking about business. Yeah, I've continued to write a business column for New Orleans magazine. I've done that for many years. And I write for others. You mentioned Reuters, of course, and uh, I have done some freelancing for The Advocate here in New Orleans on their business page as well. So I, I try to keep it up, but the book consumed me for about a year and a half for sure. Well, it's quite a work. <laughs> <laughs> and at first I was thinking, gee, I wonder why a business person would be writing this rather than a sports person. But after reading it, I see... Exactly. Um, You were asked to write this book. Right. Uh, Pelican Publishing Company here in New Orleans came to me just a few months after the first lawsuits were filed in the Benson family dispute, uh, which we'll get into a little bit. But uh, they came to me and asked if I would be interested in writing a biography of Tom Benson. And I didn't have to give that very much thought before I said yes. It was just so fascinating to me already. And it wasn't just the litigation, the fact that his family had had basically imploded at that point, and they were suing one another. But it was that he is a self-made man in many respects. He came from almost nothing, literally nothing in a material sense. And he grew up in New Orleans uh, in a, a family that had very little in the way of financial wealth. And he built a fortune of hundreds of millions of dollars strictly on his own, you know, from his own business acumen, his own creativity, uh, this was in the automobile dealership business that he kind of got in a little bit by accident. Well, now you um, you say your subtitle, A Billionaire's Journey, and I think you said today he's worth something like $2.7 billion. I think he's the richest guy in Louisiana. Yes, he is, according to, to Forbes magazine, which you know does annual rankings of wealthy people all across the United States. By my calculations, Tom Benson's net worth today is in excess of $2.7 billion. Now, uh, clearly, his largest asset is the New Orleans Saints, which Forbes has has, uh, valued at about $1.75 billion, and that has risen steadily over the years that Mr. Benson has owned the team. He's owned the team for 31 of its 50 years of existence, and so his legacy is very much tied up with the Saints. Let's talk a little about his um, life, since most of us don't really know that, and you do spend some time before you get into the billions mm-hmm. um, talking about his life. He he is a New Orleans native, right? And uh, Saint Aloysius, which I guess now is Brother Martin, maybe. Right, it morphed into Brother Martin at some point, but he he went to uh, Saint Aloysius High School, 
And actually, he did that by the grace, uh, graces of a, uh, a benevolent priest who... Uh, Tom had three younger brothers, and the four boys in the Benson family, uh, as I said, they came from not very much and could not have afforded to go to St. Aloysius. But they walked by that school every day, and uh, the priests there came to like them. And at one point, one of the priests went to Tom's father, Tom Benson Sr., and said, we'd really like to have your sons at St. Aloysius. And the father said, you know, we can't afford that. But uh, the priest said, pay what you can. We'd like them to come. And that's how Tom came to to go to St. Aloysius. I love the fact that, like many people that we talk about, the biographies on this program, at one point he had a newspaper route. Now, I'm being a journalist. <laughs> and you're a journalist, of course. Don't you just love it? that they? What are we going to do with um, newspapers going away? Who, what's going to be the first job of all these? Right. Um, anyway, and he studied, um, he went to Loyola for a while. He did. And then he went in the Navy and he married very young, really. I mean, yeah. he married Shirley. Yeah, he married, uh, Shirley near the end of World War II. Tom went to Loyola for several years, uh, and well, he actually enrolled in Loyola for a while and then decided to join the Navy and that was near the end of the war. And I believe it was in 1944, he he married Shirley. Uh, he came home on leave and married Shirley Landry, who had uh, grown up close to him. They had gone to the same church as as youngsters, and that's where he first met her. Uh, after he got out of, after the war ended and he came home, he re-enrolled in uh, Loyola. But he did, and he went for several years, but did not earn a degree there. I think he just got itchy about going on to make money because that's what he really had in mind. He always was driven to make money. I think, and, uh, by the way, Loyola has probably given him an honorary degree I believe now. they have, and he's given a great <laughs> deal of money to generous. the school. Yes. You know, disclaimer, I worked at Loyola for right. 25 years. Um, now, we're only mentioning this because it comes up in the litigation. They, they adopted their children, and like many couples, they were unable to have their own. So, they did adopt three children. Um, only one survived um, into the present day. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, Tom had a lot of loss uh, over his life. He's 89 years old now. Uh, and naturally, when you live that long, you see a lot of friends and family die. But he had kind of some extraordinary losses along the way. He lost not only his parents, of course. He lost two wives at a fairly young age. Uh, and after at least 20 years of marriage to each of them. And he lost all three of his younger brothers, including one who was 18 years younger than him, who died just a few years ago of a heart attack. But the, the worst of all probably was the deaths of two of his children, two of his three children. His oldest son, uh, Bob, his oldest child, his son, Bob, died just six months after Tom bought the Saints. And he was only 36 years old. He died of lung cancer. And another uh, daughter, his youngest child, whose nickname was Tootsie, took her own life when she was just 31 years old. That happened several years after Bob died. And wasn't she ill, though? Wasn't she diagnosed with an illness? She did have a, a muscular a degenerative condition of some kind. It, was, it resembled mu multiple sclerosis, but it was never firmly diagnosed. So she was, she was ill, and she was having a lot of difficulty. So, as I said, the reason why we're keeping track is only because into the present day it, it comes up. You talked about his car dealership, then he, and he worked for a guy around here named Mike Persia. Right. 
uh, who was pretty well known at the time uh, for, for folks who were living here at the time. Tom got into the automobile business by be, uh, being hired as a bookkeeper at a local auto dealership. And about a year after he started working there, a dealer from San Antonio named Mike Persia, who was very successful in San Antonio, had decided to expand into New Orleans. And he did so by buying that particular dealership. And it was very fortuitous because he, he kept Tom on at the dealership and they became very, very close. And he saw that Tom Benson could be an, an asset to his business because of his, his extreme financial skills and his extraordinary business acumen. He just had an intuitive sense about how to run a business. And he understood balance sheets and uh, cash flow statements you know, in a snap of a finger. And that was an important thing for Mike Persia. And so he realized he was management material. And he, he promoted Tom to a manager and then later gave him his, his big launch when he asked him to go take over a dealership in San Antonio that wasn't doing well. And he told him that if he could make that dealership turn a profit, that he, Persia, would finance him to buy the dealership at some point. All of that did come to pass, and that became the foundation for Benson's automobile empire. Yeah, and then at one point you said he had 33 different brands of cars, mm -hmm. 27 dealerships, and then, of course, he expanded into real estate, banking, and so on, Right, back and forth between New Orleans and San Antonio. Mm -hmm. So that also enters into our his latest adventure. Now, he buys the Saints, and we've, we've interviewed several people who have, just what a colorful story, the Saints, and how we got the Superdome, and... Um, and when he bought them, they were still the ain'ts. <laughs> they, were... <laughs> they were not in good shape. That's, that's quite clear. And one of the first moves he made uh, won a lot of applause, not only in New Orleans but around the, the National Football League, because he honed in on, on uh, Jim Finks as general manager for the team. And he hired Jim, and uh, he, Finks was very well regarded throughout the league at that point. And Jim Finks brought in... Jim Mora as head coach, another promising uh, hire. And then Jim Miller was a, the front office manager at the time. And it turned out to be a very good team. They had a, a decade of, of much higher quality football on, on the field here in New Orleans, and people were really kind of buoyed by that. Uh, they didn't go as far as uh, one of you know our latest teams would, but they did make the playoffs for the first time. And, and the paper bags came off for a while. The paper bags off came the off head. the heads for a while, and and uh, things were things were better. And so Benson won a lot of a uh, lot of praise for his moves in doing that. Well, meanwhile, um, Shirley passed away, and so at this time he set up a trust for his surviving child. At this time was mm -hmm. Renee, who w married and had two children. Right. And so now we have this trust in Texas that is set up, and that's um, that included stock in the Saints, but non-voting stock? Well, actually, that one did not include stock in, oh, in, his, in his sports teams. Uh, that, that was in 1980. Shirley died in 1980, and that's when that trust uh, was put into effect in, in Renee's name. And it had a lot of assets, though. I mean, it, you know, Tom continued to be the controller of the trust, but it was in Renee's name, and... Uh, that became the subject of a suit later on, you know, obviously in the, last, in the last few years. It was in, uh, after he married his second wife, Grace, uh, he married her in 1982, I believe it was. And 
so he he was married to her when he bought the saints. He doesn't didn't you make a new note that he doesn't like to live alone and he very much is um, likes to be married and. Um, that's true. I mean, by all accounts, he, he's been devoted to every one of his wives. And he was, uh, as I mentioned, the first two passed away. And he was he was clearly not only devoted to them, but very sensitive to their care and seeing to their needs when they were both in declining health. The first one surely died of complications of lupus. And then Grace died of Parkinson's disease. And it was difficult for Tom in both cases. And he was very kind to... Uh, Grace had two children. In fact, those... Um, those people, for those of us that live in New Orleans, um, Miss Peak, Mrs. Peak, um, she had two daughters, Peak, and they married Peak and Walker, and they they both have car dealerships here in New Orleans right now. Right, Grace actually had uh, five children, and by the time she and Tom married, they were all adults, and the two daughters uh, were uh, Susan and Mimi, who married Martin Peak, and Susan was Walker. So it's Walker Volkswagen and Peak BMW are both uh, products that you know Tom Benson set his stepdaughters up in those businesses years ago. So he was very generous um, with his family. And as you said, then Grace also passed away. Meanwhile, he has the saints, and along comes Katrina. And everybody knows that the aftermath of the federal floods, as we like to call them, um, caused a lot of damage mm-hmm. and the saints who by then were you know firmly in the superdome everybody around the world saw what happened to the superdome during the aftermath right of katrina and there was a big strong feeling that benson was going to take the saints out of new orleans right i think you know he he fled to san antonio with his team very shortly after the flood and I think nobody nobody would have blamed him or criticized him for doing that. Nobody did, in fact, because there was no question he had to go somewhere. The the Superdome was a wreck. Uh, they couldn't they certainly couldn't play there. Their training camp at that point had some issues. And so he had a lot of responsibility weighing over him. He had a, a team worth hundreds at that point, hundreds of millions of dollars, and he had responsibilities to the NFL, you know, to to put his team on the field, some field somewhere in order to play those games. Because if the Saints didn't play, you know, that affected the rest of of the schedule for everyone else as well, for the other 31 teams. So no NFL owner had ever faced a situation like that before. So, you know, I I think people felt sympathy for that situation. But it was when word began to leak out that Tom wanted to make the move out of New Orleans permanent, that people really... Uh, were up in arms in New Orleans. And there was a public outcry. People said, how could he do this? How could he be so insensitive at a time when New Orleans is, is, you know, in its darkest hour? And by all reports, and by, if you read the book, you you saw that I interviewed a number of local business people who were involved in the talks with Mr. Benson and with then NFL Commissioner Paul Tagliabu about what was going to happen next. And what they told me, what various sources told me, was that there was no question Tom Benson was headed out of New Orleans on a permanent basis. From what he was saying? Uh, from what from what they were saying. Now, yeah. that's not... He was certainly giving them that impression. Now, today, the party line at Saints headquarters is that... Oh, he was never going to leave. Was he was never actually never... going to leave on a permanent basis. But I think from what you show, um, Paul Tagliabue had a lot to do with 
is not leaving. There's no question that the Saints would have been gone from New Orleans, uh, at, you know, fairly soon after Katrina had Paul Tagliabue not stepped in and sat Tom Benson down and said, you're not going to do this. Tagliabue didn't want the, the league to have the black eye of turning its back on New Orleans at such a time. And he knew that's what would happen. The, the, the league is very image conscious. And uh, he just wasn't going to let that happen. And he, he told Tom that, that that would not happen. A lot of people, such as moi, <laughs> really didn't realize, and maybe other people don't realize, I certainly didn't, what a business the NFL is and why they have control. I, I didn't realize, you know, you read about it in the sports pages or you hear it on the sports reports, but I didn't realize how much money we're talking about and it's all filtered through the NFL. So you're really, there's 32 teams. Right. And really, they get hundreds of millions of dollars it's an elite year. it's an elite club of 32 owners uh, technically 31 because green bay is publicly owned but uh that that has enjoys tremendous financial privileges it's it's really it's really kind of interesting because you can see why tom benson was attracted to this it wasn't because he was a football fanatic he never in fact by his own admission knew very much about the game but he saw immediately, even even in the early days, in 1985, when he actually bought the team, he saw the potential for making huge amounts of money at really relatively little risk, which is kind of opposite of the way risk-reward normally works in investments. Normally, high, higher rewards come with higher risk. Well, not so in the NFL. If you have the wherewithal to buy a team and you get the opportunity to buy a team, tremendous Opportunities are, opportunities are going to come to you to make a lot of money with very little risk, a lot of it due to the shared revenue that comes back to each team from the NFL, from TV contracts and, and also, merchandising let's deals. get into <laughs> the public money. Right. I mean, huge amounts. And, in fact, Governor Blanco, before the storm, was trying to maybe reduce the state uh, obligations to Mr. Benson. Right. If on, t- on top of the shared revenue coming from the league, if you are an owner who can manage to get a lot of public support for your stadium or the stadium that your team plays in, whether or not you own it, you can just, you know, your, your revenue potential multiplies almost exponentially. It's just, it's like printing money practically. And uh, Tom Benson was extraordinarily skillful at writing uh, agreements with the state of Louisiana f- through whatever governor was in power at the time uh, that were, you know, gave himself and the team extremely lucrative terms. And he stretched that out over many years. Every every few years there was a new agreement and each one was increasingly beneficial to Tom Benson. The NFL recognized his skill at this and, and they were so impressed by his his ability to write these deals with the state of Louisiana that uh, the the other owners made him the chairman of their finance committee, one of the most powerful committees in the NFL. Tom was on that committee for more than 20 years, and he chaired the committee several times. So he, he won great admiration, and a lot of his deals with the state of Louisiana ended up being copied by other owners. He's the model of Not to... just in the NFL, but in sure. the Nas- uh, National Basketball Association and in Major League Baseball. Well, I had no idea how much public money um, went into it. And also, um, 
private businessmen got together and th- to show support for the team. They they spent a lot of money. They bought boxes. They mm-hmm. they went all around the state and got people to, you know, the big spenders, mm-hmm. not the, I mean, we think it's a big expense if it's 80 bucks a uh-huh. ticket to start, but he, these but the people. But the suites cost tens of thousands of dollars. Right, and they sold it. So everybody really pitched in and gave Mr. Benson an awful lot of money. He also bought a TV station. He bought a bunch of other things. Well, then he bought the, the New Orleans Pelican, originally the New Orleans Hornets, Hornets, and then renamed it the Pelicans. So so he's, he's well known everywhere. Um, now let's talk a little bit about the late unpleasantness in his family. He married a third time. Um, Gail. Mm-hmm. And by then, some of his family had non-voting interest in the Saints. Right. It was in uh, starting in 2009 that Tom, of course, he was getting up in years and he was much more conscious of his estate planning. And he began setting up uh, trust for his daughter, Renee, and her two children, Rita and Ryan LeBlanc. And in 2009 and again in 2012, he added to those trusts shares in both the Saints and the Pelicans, uh, quite a few shares. But in both cases, these were non-voting shares that he put into to his heirs' trusts. They were non-voting, non-controlling shares. He retained all of the controlling shares in both teams in his own hands. Um, but after they had the falling falling out, which started in, uh, well, Just around Christmas, became public about two years ago, uh, late 2014, then he decided, I mean, he really made a public split with his, his heirs and said, you know, I no longer want you to have anything to do with my teams or any of my businesses. Now, this happens in a lot of families, especially with older um, surviving fathers. And But he had been grooming Rita to take over the saints. I mean, everybody... Right. Maybe everybody didn't love her, but everybody really assumed well, it was the boss's choice. And it really was a bombshell coming as it did right around Christmas um, two years ago. I remember everybody was mm-hmm. in big shock. He, he said, you you know, because of the way you treated my third wife. Right. I mean, nobody under, fails to understand people. They didn't like the stepmother either, the second That's right. You know, wife. And then with the third wife, all of a sudden he says, well, she's going to take over the team. And I didn't realize until I read your book, which is so wonderfully researched. Thank you. He can't just do whatever he wants with that team because of the NFL's having the money strings. So he can't just say, I'm going to give it to my wife um, and take it away from my kid because I didn't like the way you treated her. I mean, the NFL has to approve all of these things. The NFL has to approve, and I think that that would not be really that much of a problem. Uh, the The real issue here is the amounts of money involved because there, uh, the heirs own about 60% of the actual shares in the Saints, for instance. I mean, that's a pretty large chunk, even though it's non-controlling, non-voting shares. What that means is the heirs are passive owners. They have no say-so in... You know, if Tom wanted to sell the team, they would have no say-so. They would have, they just have no say-so in the operations at all. They're just passive owners. They would profit if the team were sold at a profit, and then they would get, you know, the dividends and whatever. But uh, 
And, and the same is, is true with the Pelicans. The problem right now is they're trying to arrive at a number. The final lawsuit involves those very shares in the Saints and Pelicans. And Tom is trying very hard to retrieve them and give a, so that he has 100% ownership to pass on to, to his wife, Gail, now. But in order to do that, he has to in essentially, essentially buy back those shares from the trust. Yeah, you say it's an asset exchange. It's an exchange. And the assets, the question is whether his assets are sufficient. They have to be of equal value to the, to the assets that he... The, the first, the heirs tried to say, well, he was elderly and he was being, you know, misled and she was had undue influence on mm -hmm. him. But that the courts decided not. Right. They actually asked the court to declare him mentally incompetent. And that that happened early in this whole process. And uh, Mr. Benson prevailed in that in his defense of that all the way to the Louisiana Supreme Court. So that suit is out, you know, off the table. Um, he did have to return in the suit in Texas with his daughter. He did have to return control of the, the trust or give control of the trust to her. Uh, so she won that round. That was her that mother's round. trust. That's he correct. He set that up a long time ago, but that had nothing to do with it the had Saints. nothing to do with the teams. But So it's the remaining seat suit involves uh, the shares in the teams. So that's where we are at this date. That's and right. just, I think, about a week ago when we're taping this, um, the court said he can borrow money from the NFL um, to try to make up this asset exchange here. Well, what's happening right now is the court, uh, a couple of things. One, the court is is due to rule uh, rule on the date at which the valuation would be effective on both teams. You know, he's, Mr. Benson says the valuation date should be January 2015, which is when he actually filed this particular suit. But his heirs want it to be, you know, 26, late 2016. And of course, during that time, the value of the saints has, gone, just, up. has gone up substantially. Well, he is an older senior citizen. He's had, what, a quadruple bypass. Mm -hmm. He's had back surgery, kidney cancer. So um, everybody's real interested. I, th I thought particularly, I loved, um, you quoted him when he bought the saints. He said, I want everybody to know who I am. Everybody says he's just a car dealer. Well, let them see me now. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, Broadway show. If they could see me now, I mean, he well, he really wants the prestige. I think that's indicative of of the motivation that really drove him through his whole life. Because as I mentioned, he's always been driven to make money, and it wasn't just about the wealth and having things. I think a lot of it was. Uh, uh, an effort to mask his own insecurities. Tom is a very plain-spoken man. He's, he's not sophisticated. He's not a person, in fact, you would even associate with the NFL because you think of that league as being glitzy and glamorous, and, and Tom is not that person. But I think uh, he was always a little, in, a little insecure around people who had a lot more money than he did, who were better educated, more articulate, and socially adept, and so forth. And he felt that if he could amass enough money and, and the power that went along with it, he could control his own environment and surround himself with the kinds of people he was comfortable with. Well, we'll end on this note. You say on his desk he has a plaque, tough times don't last, but tough people do. So that that sums it up. <laughs> He's a it, tough it's cookie. A, it's a wonderful um, book, especially if you're at all interested in New Orleans or sports or business. <laughs> Um, you've been listening to Writers Forum, and we want to thank our guest this week, Kathy Finn, uh, journalist, 
and author most recently of a book, Tom Benson, A Billionaire's Journey. I'm Sherry Alexander for WRBH.